It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Welcome to Time Enough Podcast. It's where we get into episodes of the Twilight Zone and beyond. This is Matt here, returning today, who uh, not as far as how we aired these episodes, but actually did, recorded was my first guest on the show and did record the second episode. She lives in her own Twilight Zone. She has the, uh, <laughs> she has the podcast Rogue Ways. Uh, hello, Lindsay Sharman. Hello, Matt. It's nice to be back. I actually was, when I was watching this episode, I was like, Ha, huh, did he choose this? Because this is kind of almost my life, or does he even know? <laughs> um, yeah, um, please tell us stories, but yeah, I got that. I got that vibe, just kind of, you know, the idea of <laughs> thing, weird possessions, egregore creations, things like that. I think we can get into in this episode. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and also, it's, a, it's another one where I've just like, I realized when I started this podcast, I was like, oh, I'll probably just, you know, call my couple friends and I'll keep it nice and casual and not have to get guests and stuff. And I quickly realized I can't really do this show without having like a whole lot of different people coming on and talking about these episodes or, you know, it's like some weird middle-aged white dude echo chamber so <laughs> <laughs> it's cool too to get the different perspectives Twilight Zone is such a good show for that too you chose well because it's just such a vast you know broad depth of stuff There's, they touch on everything and it's so fun I love it yeah one of the, one of the favorite quotes I've gotten from a guest who didn't know the show was just like they let people watch this in 1960 <laughs> I know like I think maybe people were more open-minded than we think and now we're like getting more narrow-minded maybe even yeah yeah well I guess it's you know it's like what the what the media is showing you at the time so it's just surprising that at the tail end of the 50s someone was just willing to show you all of the the cracks basically yeah <laughs> like, um I'll do a little bit of trivia here. Uh, something I, I know I have not been doing on this show, but I guess I should start adding is the air date. So the air date for the original episode is July 1st, 1960. If you want to know the air dates to previous episodes, just you know, do some math from that point, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the script is by Richard Matheson, who seems to be the point man for those weeks that Rod takes off from writing. That may also explain the bit of ribbing at Rod at the end of the episode. Uh, Ralph Nelson directed the episode. He was no stranger to Serling, having directed both the TV and film versions of Requiem for a Heavyweight. He turned on to be his own directing heavyweight, uh, directing the Oscar-winning films Lilies of the Field, Father Goose, and Charlie. Keenan Wynn played Gregory West. He was the that guy character actor for plenty of films from the 1940s to the 1960s as an MGM contract player and appeared in films like Annie Get Your Gun, the absent-minded professor and Dr. Strangelove. He almost played Perry White in 1978 Superman, but was derailed by a health issue. Victoria White was played by Phyllis Kirk. She appeared with Vincent Price in The House of Wax and was co-lead with Peter Lawford in the late 50s The Thin Man TV series. She'd leave acting in 1970 to represent the ACLU and then CBS News and Public Relations. 
Mary LaRoche played uh, Mary. Her film credits include Gidget, Run Silent, Run Deep, and Bye Bye Birdie. That's that's where he, that's where this call started, and I hadn't quite fr- finished the uh, trivia. Sorry, Mary. There was something else I had to say. Oh, yes. She apparently had a very nice uh, guest role on a one-hour gun smoke in 1963. That was listed as, like, the apex of her acting or something. So, <laughs> <laughs> The uh, best known. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, the trivia here is a little bit of a... Sometimes you find something that's just, like, amazing. Sometimes you find things that are very disturbing. It's how many... It's d- kind of disturbing how many Twilight Zone actors met untimely ends or was, you know, the 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 first person starting a murder suicide or something like that there's some wild stories and like that, that's kind of yeah there's like a dark side to you know hollywood babylon all that going on I yeah guess, so. i was gonna say i wonder if you compare the twilight zone weirdness in that sense to like the rest of hollywood if it would just be about average because that's just like how messed up things get when that's the world you live in yeah i just posted an episode um and you know he's like oh i'm sure this writer just gotten divorced i'm like yes yeah, 50s hollywood of course he had <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the only option <laughs> exactly so well, i don't know anything about matheson the uh writer or director of this episode but my um my love was like oh, matheson that's my guy so apparently he does cool stuff other other than twilight zone um oh, yeah it was, he, a big, it was a big deal this morning yeah he start <laughs> he started as a um basically like a pulp sci-fi writer in the 50s so a lot of his stories uh, are coming from there, but no, he went on a, I don't want to like credit him with too much, but what, I think he wrote the script for like the Omega Man, some of the seventies sci-fi uh, workers. Okay. Um, I know one of his later ones was uh, what dreams may come the, the Robin Williams film. Oh so yeah. That was I one of his later scripts. Right. So I don't know what, well, probably cause I did a podcast about it last year, but yeah, sorry. I, I I'm actually selling the guy short at the moment, but uh, definitely a, a, a Kraken sci-fi writer or whatever. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, let me throw the prologue for you. Oh, I'm doing the, the old man thing. Okay, it's there. You can read it. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to read it? Uh, please. Okay. I do want to just say July 1st air date originally. That's what we're like exactly 62 years later. Yeah. Almost yeah. to the day. Yeah. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I was almost like, hey, I got this thing like timed out. And I was like, oh, wait, I'm recording these in advance. So, oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so the home of Mr. Gregory West, one of America's most noted playwrights, the office of Mr. Gregory West, Mr. Gregory West, shy, quiet, and at the moment, very happy, merry, warm, affectionate, and the final ingredient, Mrs. Gregory West. Yep, that's that's how it always runs, right? Of course, uh, you don't always create everyone. I like this episode basically only has one character everything else is just uh you know that's true his own creations and we only see three so oh rod rod's a character we get four okay (laughs) that's really interesting too because there's this you know that whole concept that that's actually what's happening for all of us like we are the only the only consciousness in the universe is me and you're just a projection of me here for me to like bounce things off of so that i can like continue to ascend back to the oneness of the totality eventually or something but i'm like well if that's true then i'm also you projecting me into existence to do the same exact thing so i don't know when it just like falls into solipsistic meaninglessness but uh there is that perspective that that's what's going on here for all of us i was about to say i, w- I was going to say soft list and then you took the more like hindu 
description and then went back and said Sophila. So I, was like, <laughs> I, I feel like that's the more nihilistic view where it's like, oh, I'm the only conscience and everyone else is like actually like, you know, not there. So you know, the, the Hindu, the Buddhist perspective is more like, oh, everyone is there. We're just, as you said, spiraling towards the source or whatever. So yeah, <laughs> I like that. It feels a little better. I had a friend who was like, none of you exist when I'm not looking at you. And I was like, well, that that gets kind of dangerous, actually, because then we're just meaningless and empty and perhaps like easy to kill or, you know, treat in inhumane ways. Or I don't know. I don't, I'm not comfortable with that, actually. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like, if you take a hard line, softless view, you can become quite horrible. Whereas, you know, if it's like anything I heard is hurting myself is is a, probably a better way to live your life, at least. Yes. <laughs> the golden rule, at least, applies then. I'm not much of a writer because we got the uh, Gregory West, the playwright here. Um, I mean, I actually I can write well, but I guess nobody likes to write. But I can't write a story to save my life. I do wonder how I do with the dictaphone. I think I just don't yeah. have a story in me. <laughs> I was thinking of that. and I was like, I would mess everything up if I was just speaking it because I write very differently than I speak. And most of us do. So if someone were to go back and transcribe our conversation, uh, maybe less so on a show like this, because we're a little bit more intentional and aware of what we sound like and what we're saying perhaps but in a normal conversation you go back and transcribe it like it almost doesn't even make sense because we just we like jump around and we like add a word stop a sentence like go backwards like say something three times for no reason and like you know like it doesn't it doesn't come out right but when we're writing we're very like most of us at least are very structured and like intentional and you know we've got all of our our stuff laid out a little bit more uh intentionally so it sounds totally different so as i was watching him do that like dictate into this thing i was like i could never write like that i could never do it there's something i've it's i'm not gonna call it a pet peeve because i do it i'm pretty sure you do it. everybody does it people on the show have done it is um i've just recently become very um uh, what's the word i'm looking for I, i've been noticing a lot just the the answering of questions yeah no 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 yeah <laughs> like what does yes. that mean <laughs> is it no or is it yeah i yeah. thought this was a pacific northwest thing but apparently it's a human thing no yeah yeah no and for Why some even reason say yeah or no just don't or, say anything <laughs> yeah listening to podcasts recently i've been catching that i i've been catching my uhs a lot more because i you know i'm using them mostly as thought placeholders i think so <laughs> maybe maybe Herbal there's a better fillers. Yeah, this is probably there's something better. One one of my favorites, actually, this is I was um scoring, where was it? Uh, Toic TOEFL test. They're they're foreign English test for people who speak foreign languages. Yeah. And um, I had to like listen to the responses, and one of them just they clearly didn't even understand the question. They're like, hmm, that's an interesting question. Let me think. Hmm. Well, when you <laughs> like, think about things <laughs> you think, yeah yeah you're like oh i love that that's one of my favorite things about being a teacher is is how clearly some kids have no idea what's going on but how hard they tried to make it seem like maybe something of of substance was coming through no nothing was <laughs> the, the other one that was just super fun was somebody who i mean I, I feel like I'm ribbing on people, but it's like, well, I have no clue who they were in the first place. And it's been 12 years. So <laughs> but another guy was just super nervous. And like, you could, he could probably see the clock run out. He's like, Mother, I love you. And then it cuts out. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. So uh, don't do that into your dictaphone. This, this man is a pro. They do say he's kind of um, like 
the best play playwright of the land or whatever. But, right. You know, sort he of like acclaimed. Cloistered well, in his own house with his own creations. <laughs> which is funny because I really I thought the wife, the one that I thought was real, uh, I thought that she must be with him because of his acclaim. Because I had the thought, I was like, he's kind of like, that's not really a woman that I would think would be in his league. But then again, times were different. Maybe like, you know, who knows what. But then we find out like he doesn't even think that he's in her league. <laughs> right. She's too good for him, actually, which is part of the whole problem that they're facing together. But that was really interesting to me. I loved the plot twist, though. I loved it. Well, she never accepts it. You know, it's like so out there i mean she basically destroys herself because she won't accept it which is the so i love this is like the matrix right what the things that make you ask yourself like yeah how would i know if i existed yesterday how would i know if somebody just created me right now and now i am appearing i have all these memories intact because that's part of my character right like i don't have any proof that i existed yesterday even the pictures and things could like come into existence because of being written into existence it's a really i love that the matrix too when i finally you know, walked out of the theater, I was like, are we really here or not? Like, what's happening? Uh, and this episode has that same flavor to it, where you get to like question all of reality, all of your experience. I love it. Right. Well, I mean, theoretically, you don't know any moment before the one that just came existed. Um, th this actually came up on a previous episode of this show. And then it just like was in like last week's Star Trek, which is the, uh, the Bosman brain concept. Have you heard this one? No. The idea is that, you know, like molecules or whatever can form anything at any time. So the idea is a brain with experiences and everything could just like be created in the depths of space. Yeah. Like so suddenly you're floating in space. What am I doing here? But that actually was your creation. But the <laughs> disturbing implications is you can take it to the point where everyone's a Bosman brain at every moment because you can't like really you can't really uh, verify any moment before this one. Uh, because yeah. your, that's your perception because the whole point is you have all the memories and everything uh, when this brain is created so yeah. yeah just as soon as you come into existence so that's uh, that's just like the buddhist concept that we were talking about earlier too right like we're back to buddhism like there's only one moment and there's only one consciousness <laughs> so, exactly but, like what 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 mattered about the past anyway and then the hermeticists also have that concept that the whole the whole universe or however you want to describe everything literally that could possibly exist and does exist the all it's just it's just mental it's just and, a projection and you could say we're going wildly off topic but the title of the episode is a world of his own so i think we're actually kind of on target here yeah <laughs> i think that was like they're 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 messing with those same similar concepts it's funny too as a author myself i would hear authors talk about this like i would hear them talking about and i used to be like you you're like i couldn't write a story to save my life i was the same i was like i write nonfiction. i write essays i write poems like i don't write fiction and write stories and then um, I'd hear authors describe characters and creating characters and writing characters and how the characters had a life of their own and how they would do what they wanted and how you'd have an idea in your head about like what you thought you wanted to do with the plot, but the characters would like not do that. And I was like, these people are crazy. Like just, you're the writer, like just write it that way. <laughs> you get to decide. And then when I finally wrote my first novel, I was like, holy they're right like that is actually what it's like you cannot they're like telling me what's going to happen next and you know i even heard I, I was it philip k dick maybe i don't know it's one of the weirder you know authors in the world and he was talking about how apparently supposedly he wrote his characters so well and maybe this is even where this episode came from i don't remember the timeline of 
who this was and when it happened and what, but that he wrote a character so well that it was in his mind. And it was the same thing that these other authors are talking about. It has a life of its own and they're telling you what to do, but that he actually then like met the character in real life. And he couldn't understand if he was just like this amazing chance that someone of the same name and the same description or whatever actually existed, or if this like person existed because he had created it in this story. Uh, and I don't know if that story is true or not, obviously, but it's really interesting that this is like an actual theme. It's not just this episode. This is something that so many people experience in various ways. I was just um, thinking of Leonard Nimoy's books. Of course, it's acting, not writing, but he famously would start his chapters where he'd have a conversation with Spock. So it's Leonard <laughs> Nimoy and Spock having the conversation at the beginning of each chapter. So, you know, because he's like, I can't, you know, he, he fam uh, famously called it, I am not Spock, but the I, the point was, you know, I'm going to interact with this character that I can't get rid of. <laughs> That's awesome. And it, it said his publishers like, don't call it that. You're going to you're going to start a storm. And he did. So <laughs> he was like, I should listen. <laughs> should listen to the publisher. <laughs> yeah. But it, at the same time, you that um, controversy sparked sales. So maybe it was smart. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, but it almost got him like not hired for the movie. So. <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, that's that that is that is off topic, I suppose. Um, <laughs> <laughs> here I I yeah, I have a weird thing where I don't I I don't really like having people in my room. <laughs> <laughs> that's your space. Yeah, it's like even if there's like nothing really, it's like like oh it's messy. It's like, well, I work better when things are slightly disheveled, so I don't know. <laughs> This guy's got a nice room. Um, for people that have been keeping up with the show, this is exactly the same room as the dude in, um, what's his name? Gart Williams and the stop at Willoughby. It's the same set. This is definitely a money-saving episode. There's three uh, actors in one set. So. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's where, the, you know, the writing crackles, so it yeah. you barely notice. That's, that's the whole point. So, yeah, he's creating people, and it seems he's kind of, like, dialing them down. Like, Victoria. Say, I want to call her Veronica because of Betty and Veronica, right? I don't know when Archie <laughs> Comics started, but probably around this time. But Victoria has, even though she technically doesn't really have agency, she does because he yeah. created her that way, which I, that's interesting because Mary has like almost nothing. Like she kind of like, you know, half heartedly like resists at one point. But yeah, but she's, she's like really Mary is very like attached to him. That's part of her character. She's just like wrapped up in him. Whereas, yeah, Victoria uh, does have that age. But remember, his he said today was the first day you've ever done something I didn't write you doing. Yeah, did you catch so, that? Yeah, so like, yeah, but that was the first. So I, I liked it because I was like, well, this is the indication, and so he created this character, and it has to basically do what he wrote it to do. Uh, but then here it was the first time ever. So if like an egregore, right, if you're creating this thing, you're creating this thing, you're putting this energy into it, it's going to do your will. But at some point it breaks into its own existence and its own will. And if she would have fully broken into that, would he be able to destroy her? I mean, that's the whole part of the creative process. I guess it's interesting with writers is because it's such a um, micro scene. You know, the writer creates this person on their own. They, they don't have a staff of like, a hundred helping them do it. I mean, they have an editor or whatever, but uh, you know, like let's take the Twilight Zone. That's a you know, it was Rod's baby. He can't make it without his production crew, and uh, you know, now Rod's been gone for years, and the Twilight Zone was last Jordan Peele's, right? So, 
you know, it, it, it was his creation, but it gets with film, it gets out of your hands pretty much as soon as you create it. Yeah. I almost feel like, you know, while I was writing fictional, my fictional novels, I did have some, I really didn't, they, they really did do whatever they wanted to do, but I felt like I had at least more <laughs> control, if anything, over them. And then as soon as it was like done and published, like they're gone now, they're going to live whatever existence in whatever dimension. And I won't have anything to do with it at all. Like, uh, you know, almost like that Eregor sort of situation. It's interesting too, the question that is brought up, like, well, where did she go? When Victoria watches Mary be destroyed, she's like, where is she? He never answers that. No one ever answers it. But that's the question. Like, where are you when you don't exist? Because unlike other times, we've maybe seen something sort of of on this theme. This has Mary. How many times does she come and go? So she's and she's the same fully formed character. And she's aware that she wasn't there for a time and is back now. So where does she go? And what is she when she's not that? Yeah, that, that is a good one, is it? Because uh, she actually asked not to be recreated again. Uh, yeah, the last like, I time. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> yeah, so I guess the last, I mean, uh, the end of the episode makes it, oh, he's bringing her back for good this time, but is he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, until what? Because like the last wife, he's like, well, you're too good for me. You're too perfect. And I thought you were what I wanted and you're not, which is, I think also very similar to what most humans go through in a lot of their original relationships, right? They're like, oh yeah, of course I'm in love with you. It's awesome. And then like some years in, they're like, actually there's a lot of things that I'm not getting out of this or that I need or whatever. So he creates Mary instead. Um, is she going to be not enough someday or the wrong kind of person or who knows what? I mean, she's a little, I'm going to call her too doting. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, twilight zone on this podcast airing this week is the chaser which has not not i think this episode is much better but the chaser has this interesting moment where um he's basically roofing the the lady he likes who completely hates him and and you know there's just a moment where kind of she snaps and is suddenly like now obsessed with him because of the love potion and it only takes six months before he's trying to murder her so <laughs> it's like six months later and he's you know trying to like offer now so <laughs> You know, and it's so different too. With as soon as Victoria was like, Well, I'm gonna leave you, or I'm gonna put you in the you know, nut house, or whatever, I was like, Wow, I mean, talk about like not a strong marriage, you're just like one moment and you're done. Um, but then you kind of understand why that's how he created her again to be this way. Cause I was like, Is she a psychopath? Like, why did he marry a psychopath? Like, why did he marry a narcissist? Like, what's going on with this relationship actually? Uh, but yeah, he wrote her that way. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if any of the characters he created did awful, evil things. And then to ask, you know, well, then is that him actually doing awful, evil things or <laughs> who's responsible for the egregore? Well, it's if you write a if you write a horror novel, I mean, the writer technically shouldn't be responsible for the monster, but the monster typically doesn't come off of the page. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> creepy. I mean, you could you can take it down to, I mean, all of the physicists who ended up creating, you know, a nuclear weapon, right? They that wasn't their end goal. That's not what they were thinking. <laughs> so, you weren't intending that. I, I mean, am become death, the destroyer really? of worlds. <laughs> I mean, again, the, they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and sometimes you can't even see where the road's going. I mean, there's no way that Einstein in the 1910s or whatever, you know, perfecting his theory, it was like 
thinking in 30 years this is going to make a massive explosion for war you know that that doesn't yeah. compute so no. yeah you really don't have control over it it's reminding me of i i'm reading the never-ending story for the 562nd time and <laughs> there's you know what most people don't know is that the movie stops about halfway through the book and the second half of the book is not like the other movies either as far as i no, I didn't watch them because they seemed awful to me. Uh, so, but I don't think that they're the same. Uh, and so Bastion, you know, goes actually into the now ruined Fantastica and he has to rebuild it. And the way he rebuilds it is through wishes. And uh, his wishes have to kind of be, um, I guess, really heartfelt and real. He can't pretend to wish something, basically. You couldn't pretend to wish something even if you tried. You can only wish what you actually wish right? You can't change that just because you like want to, right? So I don't know how it's similar in my mind. It is though, is like creating something and not really knowing like what is the end, the end, end, end result of this cause going to be, right? <laughs> Which cause, how many effects and, and where do they end? I have no idea. Uh, and it's sort of like Bastion too. He's just only able to keep going forward in Fantasca, creating entire worlds, characters, plots, and everything just based on like the, the pull of his heart. Uh, and the more I read this book over and over again, the more I realize it's all any of us are actually doing is just following this pull of our heart that we couldn't change if we wanted to, uh, and that we have to just find out, like, how does it end? And each time we learn something about ourselves, kind of like, um, you know, this guy creating his wives <laughs> and eventually someday going like, actually, you know, I'm kind of lonely. You're not that cool. You're really pretty, but like, you don't have, we don't have this connection. So I'm going to burn you up in the fire. <laughs> yeah it's like go go meet some people maybe that's his problem maybe <laughs> that is his problem he's very shut in <laughs> but i don't know if you can create the people around you would you just be like oh, at least i can like work out the kinks and you know do a little trial and error so it's interesting like, too yeah because do you create i think our subconscious is constantly drawing people towards us right and sometimes we're like why do i have to deal with this person like they're driving me insane you wouldn't have consciously chosen that but always when you come out the other side of that you have like healed something or released something or stopped some behavior of your own or stopped allowing you know people to treat you certain ways or whatever it is like you're actually better off but would you have like would you have written that into existence like okay now send me someone who i hate who drives me insane and it's gonna push all my buttons like no but i think you're i think again like that like inner tug of your heart and your soul actually is creating things like that for you you would well, never do it on purpose. <laughs> he, he does. He does literally put the elephant in the room. Of course, I, I yeah. guess <laughs> it's almost like you forget about that. It's almost like a throwaway. But you're like, oh, that's actually the effects shot of the show, basically. Well, because I mean, making people disappear is not like a, that mind blowing. It's it's cool, but it's not like a mind blowing effect. But having an elephant, I mean, like they had to get an elephant in there, I guess. Like an actual elephant had to be in <laughs> in the set somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Each time I watch this one, I was just like. How, how did they, I was just like thinking practically, how did they do that? You know, cause there's some special effects. It's like, oh, it seems really difficult, really complicated. This one just, they got an elephant in the room. I mean, I'm right. a soundstage, I, I get it, but it's just, yeah. I can't imagine, you don't work with what, children or animals when you're directing? <laughs> I had the same exact, I was like, so they got this elephant, they drove it there, they like fed it. Someone had trained it to do that exact motion and stand there holding its mouth open so they could pretend it was screaming or whatever. <laughs> like all of yeah. that had to be done for this like 10 second shot. Right. 
Um, I definitely had a few of the Gnostic thoughts thinking of Gregory West as sort of the, the demi demiurge, you know, the, the false god of his room, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he didn't create that nice fireplace, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... and how he or maybe there's even another demigod above him because he how did he get this technology? How did he just discover that he has it? I guess he just did. I guess it just happened and he didn't question it. He just went about continuing to create. Well, the important that... thing demiurge concept is it's a false god if you ask it why questions it cannot answer them you know it doesn't know if the characters in your book ask you about the nature of their reality you create it but you can't answer those questions you know true <laughs> <laughs> it's like i'm just i'm having my own problems out here and you know i i i made myself i was just, i was writing you know <laughs> yeah i'm just i'm just trying to make this world like deal with it you don't have time for you because uh, some recent run-ins, uh, some some Disney stuff with Tron, where that happens, where um, Jeff Bridges' character writes the game, and when he's, when one of the game characters figures out who he is, it's just like, what's the meaning of all this? He's like, I don't know, I'm a programmer, you know. Uh, we we did Fantasia with the idea that Mickey Mouse basically created the whole world of Fantasia, but he he did it because he was lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. He just... Sorry, the, th the theory we're working with is when he's doing because he's on in the astral with his wand and we're like, oh, well, maybe the rest of the movie is, is that creation. So, <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, back to Never Ending Story again. Spoiler alert again, if you're going to read the book, but there's a moment when Bastion almost isn't going to save Fantastica. He's not going to give the childlike Empress her new name because he's afraid that she'll see him and he's fat and ugly and she'll hate him or whatever. She won't like him. Uh, so he won't save the whole world <laughs> through simply naming something because of his insecurity. And so she has to go on this really long journey and she has to find the old man on the mountain. And he is writing every single thing that has ever happened in all of Fantastica into existence, including her coming to see him. And they're not supposed to ever meet. They're equal opposites. And if they meet, like everything is over and there's a time loop that can't be broken and all of these things happen. And so, uh, but she goes anyway, cause she has to, cause it has to, she somehow this is forcing Bastion into just saying her, her name for the love of God. Uh, mm -hmm. And so she gets there and he's writing and she's, it becomes apparent that you kind of thought of it before this moment that he is literally writing everything into existence. But when you get there, you hear him and he's saying like, oh no, I'm just recording everything that's happening. <laughs> but it also is happening because I'm recording it. So it's like a double, like there's, uh, he's nothing, <laughs> nothing is creating this except just the fact that it is being created and I'm recording it because it's created, but it's also being created because I'm recording it. It's, it's the observer of yeah the kind of the observer effect too you know the the was it the double blinds yeah. or the light thing you know that it, it could be a particle or a, a wave depending on how you're observing it right and once it's recorded that's it yeah it's exactly that and i guess that's the hesitance to name things um while i don't do writing i do a lot of music and i used to just catalog all the tracks on my computer like with a couple letters and a number and I'd get lazy and let some of them go up to 38 or something. And then I should restart a new naming system just because I, I, I'd record all the music, but I didn't have lyrics yet. So I didn't have a name, but that, yeah, that kind of got insane. I probably lost like 10 tracks because of that method. I mean, they're still sure. there. I just, I just wouldn't know where to look for them. <laughs> <laughs> That's way too hard for me. I have to name everything. Yeah. Well, the goal is to give it a name, but yeah, it doesn't actually become a thing until I give it a name. Um, yeah. Like in West here, he 
like these creations don't really exist until he gives it a name so uh yeah he's like describing it describing it it becomes more and more real the more sort of everything is a name in that way when you think about it every adjective and every right it's just a different uh pronoun almost but he has to i wonder like if there's a magic um quantity he has to get to amount of description before it finally is like solid <laughs> yeah, but yeah. He, i think with the elephant he just said there is an elephant a red-eyed angry elephant and it was just there so that was a pretty quick one his name is jumbo <laughs> <laughs> yeah he didn't give it did not give it a name did not give it a name and he maybe it was the feeling about it because he was very like intensely you know intent on keeping her there and, and upset and scared maybe so just like uh i don't know the concept of like loosh harvesting whatever our, our emotions actually have this power and this energy to manifest and perhaps that's the key how strongly does he feel it yeah, my nose locking your significant other in a room rarely saves a marriage, although he is yeah. under extraordinary circumstances, I guess, because he at the same time, he's well, he's he's got too much hubris over it. It's like I created you. Right. And he doesn't yeah. even learn that lesson by the end of the episode. So, <laughs> yeah, no, he just keeps going with it. Well, she's pretty stupid, too, though, because he's like you know, I'm not going to let you leave. And obviously I have to stop you because you're threatening my whole life. You're saying you're going to get me locked up and divorce me. Um, but she's, and then as soon as he like, okay, you can go again. What does she say? The first thing she says, she's like, I'm going to go lock you up. You're like, well, just pretend at least like, then you could leave. <laughs> you get out of the house now. first. Yeah. Also there's a, there is a window. I mean, she was, and they seem to be on the first floor. So <laughs> yeah, for some reason they act like that window, like could never be opened by anyone. It is on the first floor because she looks in at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she looks in it, but Mary couldn't have gone out it and she can't go out it apparently either. <laughs> So um, I, I guess it's actually before we started the, the podcast properly, but you were like uh, saying that the, this method of visitation may, uh, made you recall things in your experiences. I got to see if I can get a good story out of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, which one? Well, I guess the best one. So the first uh, novel I wrote is called Sign Curve of Aeons. By the way, it should be out on audiobook like tomorrow. Uh, if anybody's into listening to it, very excited about that. I had it professionally done. It's like super high quality. It's really cool. So um, that book, when I was writing it, it actually, the whole thing just like came to me. It appeared in my head, basically, uh, like probably what people call downloads. It felt like that to me. It was just fully formed and not like I knew every word and every detail, but I could like see the whole story, just like you might think of any book and you just kind of like have the whole story in your head somewhat. It was like that. So that was really interesting. And I, like you, didn't think I could write anything fictional. I just would read fiction novels and be like, how did they do this? Like, this is way too much detail and like things and people. And like, how did they know how it was all going to go? Maybe it was similar for them. I don't know. But it just uh, appeared to my in my head. And I just sat down to start writing it, knowing that I didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, and the characters would just like appear. And they were just like, here is a new character. And I would know their name and I would see what they looked like. And I would start describing them. And then, and then I would see them doing something. And then I would just describe them doing that. And then that's how the whole book happened. Start to finish. Literally, I didn't plan any of it. I just would sit down to write and just more characters would come. And I would just see them doing things just like you see things in your imagination. 
And I would just write that and I would be angry sometimes, you know, I'd be like, why are they doing this? Like, <laughs> like you are when you read a book, sometimes you're like, what a stupid what an idiot. Why are you doing this? Or like, you're supposed to go over there and like all these uh, same thing, but I'm like the one writing it. And people would say like, well, why don't you change it? And I was like, I can't, it's not a book I'm making up. It's a book that's happening to me. <laughs> and so I started to be like, oh, I sound like those crazy authors. I would hear sometimes talking about their characters being real people this is now happening to me. So this is apparently just how things go. But the weirdest one was this um, character showed up and he's not a human. He's like a spiritual entity and he can go between dimensions. He can you know, be in the astral or on this physical realm or wherever he needs to be. He can come through in all these different ways. Uh, and he had very specific characteristics. Like he was all, he was very masculine, but he was about, you know, the earth and the natural, but also about cycles and how things have to like change and sometimes die in order to regrow. And, and also he was kind of like a protector and, and savior and why that guy, I don't know. I didn't know his name though. I just knew like all those sort of characteristics of him and I was just writing him. He didn't need a name. So I just didn't have one, I guess was why. And then I'm writing him and all these things are happening or whatever. First of all, what's really weird is that I wrote this first scene that he ever appears in. And then like the next day I'm on online somewhere and I see this piece of art and it is exactly the scene I just wrote. Like it is the character <laughs> and the scene. And I'm like, how did this happen? Like, how did that person have the same exact like image? I don't know if they had a story attached to it. It was a piece of art as an artist, right? But I like this so weird to me. So I tried so hard to get in touch with this person and tell them like how crazy that was for me and asked them if I could use it for my cover and they never got back to me. But that was weird enough. And then within a few more days or at some point soon after I came across this um, God, who's a Celtic God. Uh, and his name is Cernunos. And he, he looked, the reason I even stopped to go, wait, who, what is this? Is he looked really similar to this character. And I was like, weird. And so I started reading about him. I went and found like some article or something. All the characteristics are exactly the same. Like a hundred percent of them. Uh, the character sketch I had done for him, because I did that anytime I met like a new character, could have been like the exact same article, just like written out by a different hand. And so I was like, well how, well, how did that happen? I did not know this thing existed. I had no previous archetype. The similar sort of archetypes that I did have in my head are like Green Man, which is pretty different, actually. So Nunos has like horns. The guy in the book has horns. You know, there's like, they're, they're similar energies, but they're really different. So why didn't Green Man come to me if it was coming from my own, you know, sort of consciousness or whatever? So this is when it convinced me that I'm not this isn't even my book. This is just a book that was floating around in the ether and it decided that I could write it. And so it came to me and I wrote it like, <laughs> you know, it's very, very interesting. So he's the most distinct one, but that, that made me wonder, like, are all the rest of these characters real somehow too? I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going on. I just know that that has, I have no explanation for that. It was just a very cool experience. I do like the idea, you know, because we think so linearly about time and especially for a writer where they're getting ideas, the idea of, you know, like butterfly effects going in both directions as well. So that was where you were acquainted with that character. But 
you know, subconsciously the ripples don't care about linear time. So they affected you that way. And, and Hey, That's you know, once we, point. once we start talking about that, it even makes sense, you know, like with quantum physics and things that, okay, this event happened and then, you know, cause and effect doesn't matter at a certain point. So yeah. it could be seeing that characteristic, even though it was technically in the future still affected the, the writing process because it's, such a subconscious affair. Yeah, that's a really good point, especially when we're talking about archetypes and like the collective unconscious, like that archetype is a, is a strong one. It's powerful. It's in like every culture has like a similar uh, entity or whatever. Uh, I mean, you know, Richard, archetypes. Yeah, Richard Matheson, I, I'm going to guess since he at this point been writing you know, sci-fi and such for quite a while had the had these same things happen because well. I, I think a lot of people just don't feel like telling them to everybody, right? Because <laughs> you start sounding too. crazy. Just like I, <laughs> when I heard authors talking about that, I was like, oh, it sounds like they're a little schizophrenic, which is cool. They probably write good stuff, but like they're a little crazy. And then it happened to me. I was like, wow, I'm a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, he's the, he's the relatively, um, not straight edge, but, uh, well, he was still writing in the late nineties, right? Uh, one of the other regular contributors, Charles Beaumont, who wrote some very good episodes for the twilight zone really did just, fall apart and shatter and i think he died by the mid 60s at like some pretty young age so you know he really did kind of seem to fracture yeah uh, doing some I, of this stuff i could see how there was times where i'm like am i am i writing the past like am i writing something that actually happened in the past or am i writing the past into existence spoiler alert this book may or may not be set in the past so that that also started to mess with me and then i'm like well that's a lot of responsibility you know, like if, if anything I'm writing has any effect on what we call reality, I, you want to be really careful. But then, like I said, too, I didn't feel like I had really a choice about any of it. Like, this is just is the story. This is how it goes. Like, you just either write it down or you don't. And I could feel it. If I ever tried to, like, put something of my own in there, it, like, felt bad. I was like, oh, this isn't right at all. So there's a little bit of that old man on the mountain effect. Like, am I writing this into existence or is it existing because I write it or are they both simultaneously like co-creating each other? <laughs> and, and like in this episode, that's very intentionally putting something into the world. He's actually got to sit there and describe it. You have, you have to sit there and write the book. But even our throwaways cause, you know, very interesting ripples. Uh, I've heard people before, you know, I get a comment like, oh, I've been listening to your electronic music for years animating. I don't know what they're animating. Maybe it's something I like and maybe I, it's a looper. I, I'm sitting there, wow, this is genius. And But I actually like inspired it in a weird way. Uh, just this past weekend, um, I hang out on a on a Discord board with a bunch of Trekkies. Some of them are listening. Hello, everyone. Uh, but yeah, just a throwaway line about the new Elvis movie. And oh, it seemed Elvis was the Trekkie. Let's think of some titles. So and I, I, I didn't have any students. They were all at the student festival. So I had time to kill. So I said, <laughs> I'd made a bunch of dorky titles and then I wrote lyrics to one and then I recorded it. And well, now it's a thing out there in the world. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, probably the geekiest thing I ever wrote, but I had a blast doing it. So <laughs> that's all that matters. There's a reason for it too. Like I have to believe that there is some reason why that book needed to be brought into existence for someone. It's going to like change their whole world. And there's the same with this song, right? As silly or as however it seems to us, it's like gotta be important. <laughs> I just asked to matter in some way. What, what am I? No, I'm not going to say disappointments, but uh, it, it is nice. But yeah, I, I've been for years writing things, you know, learning to play instruments very well. Uh, crafting songs might take months for certain songs. And then I just started like crapping out binaural beats on the trains. Right. Oh, that's of course, that's the one that gets the downloads. Now, these things that I just like, I mean, I, you know, I like, but my 
25 minutes, it barely changes, you know, I knock it on the train. I'm like, Oh, this is what people want to hear, which, you know, that's cool. But yeah. <laughs> it is so weird. The episodes that I record that I am the least happy with, that I'm like, yeah, I mean, it was okay or whatever. Those are the ones that I get the most feedback about. Other people are like, Oh my God, this episode was amazing. And I'm like, okay. Like that is so surprising to me. So, and I hear that from all kinds of artists. They're like the, the stuff that I was going to throw away or didn't care about or didn't try on. Like that's what everyone loves. Well, uh, just my masterpieces. Like, <laughs> yeah, the most, I just, uh, you know, I looked at the stats uh, for this podcast and the one that people listen to the most at this point of being July, uh, well, fourth for you. So let's yeah. call it July fourth. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, thanks for chatting on July fourth. I love Japan. Independence Day. <laughs> I just think I just think it was my daughter's birthday. <laughs> but uh oh, I got oh yes, a nice place to visit is uh at this moment the most listened to episode of this podcast, which I barely even remembered making that one. Right, it wasn't one of the episodes that really stuck in my head, but it is an episode that stuck in a lot of other people's heads. So wow. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of so... interesting. Yeah, yeah. It would, it would be fascinating to find out like why. Sometimes I think so the episodes that do the best are the things that are kind of like the easiest for like anybody who's like a newbie to any of the topics that I talk about. It's like the easiest for them to digest. So maybe that's why it has like the most mass appeal. Because some of the stuff I talk about, I think you have to be like in this community and culture to really even like grasp some of it or whatever. So maybe there's part of that going on. I don't know what it is. You're like like this episode, World of Its Own is a well-regarded one, but it's a very, except for the elephant, it's a small episode. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, a nice place to visit has a, a twist you can pretty much see coming. Just the characters are a little broad, but they're fun. You know, there's a little bit of humor. I guess, I mean, this one has some humor too. Uh, that one almost, it's like a primer for the Twilight Zone in general. Uh, this one, I wouldn't quite count as that just because of the smaller scale, I think. Otherwise, it pretty much, it's it's. A, a pretty good standard i think for the show but uh yeah i wonder if this is the first time ever in history that the the fourth wall was broken too because so that was kind of fun oh yeah well, maybe maybe for tv i'm sure some books have done it i mean you ah. know like yeah but yeah on tv i'm it might be so It'd be interesting to, to try to well, find out because i was like that's got to be at least one of the earlier the earlier a, times that happened. I, I can think of at least one a couple i can think of a few earlier ones uh duck amok the uh Warner Brothers cartoon where I think Daffy Duck comes uh, out and like berates the cartoonist or something at the end. <laughs> um, <laughs> even um, the, the first, uh, I think it was 1914, Gertie the Elephant, the creator of that would go around to vaudeville and he'd interact with the film. He'd be like, Dirt, Gertie, raise your right foot. And Gertie would kind of start doing, no, no, good dude. You need to listen to me this time, you know? So I, like different ways to break the fourth wall but in this it's certainly the first time we did it on the twilight zone this is the first time uh rod shows up on screen other than at the end hawking cigarettes so <laughs> <laughs> he's like well that's how it goes bye-bye the, the weird thing in this one is he shows up at the end of the episode uh whereas in the future he typically shows up he starts walking on screen i mean it's famous that rod walks on and starts narrating which that starts in the second season the first season didn't have any of that so uh, yeah that's how i remember him most walking in the beginning and and talking about it and it got to the point where he, yeah it got to the point where he moved out back east to teach writing classes so and he was a little less i mean still writing plenty of scripts but less involved with the day-to-day -day show so he'd fly out like once a month and like you know they just film him like 
four of these scenes and they fly back out. So just <laughs> smoking cigarette after cigarette after cigarette. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It became a bit of an onus for him. Although most of the time, if you uh, he did smoke cigarettes, but uh, usually when he's doing the narrating, he's just holding it as a prop, you know, like kind of a crutch. I think I don't. Uh, I think it's just there to like make him feel like less nervous. <laughs> that's uh, so cute. Because you rarely yeah. see him take a puff on the show, so that's, <laughs> just holding these- it. These glasses are now real, but my first year teaching, I looked indistinguishable from the students I was teaching. And so I bought a fake pair of glasses to try and like regal it up and feel more comfortable. <laughs> Props can be very helpful. Yeah, I just did that. Uh, my When my daughter is three, she got glasses for whatever. So just, just for a few, no one else in the family wears glasses all the time. So I just had a, a fake pair to wear for a while. It was, it was sunglasses Aww. that like barely had any tint, right? So, yeah. <laughs> well, you can go. This is what I did. I went to the uh, where you try on the frames before they put the prescription in, and I just got the like floor model. It's just plastic, plastic lenses. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that was my method, but they knew yeah. their kids are smart they're like those aren't your real glasses you don't need glasses i'm like damn like they're per- perspicacious little guys <laughs> we just look at the curvature of the face right if it's got to change where the glass starts <laughs> ah oh that's it i was just yeah. like did they like because there's like a little area where you maybe could see like where the old price was or whatever <laughs> that, that's how you can tell just how good or bad their vision is too because if there's a, a very large indentation it's a very strong yeah, prescription so that's a good point i never yeah. even considered it i was just like how do they know <laughs> I don't know why I considered it, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh, so they stare at you. Without, you have all these things going on to think about all these kids. They have one person to stare at for the whole time. Like, makes true, sense. True. <laughs> uh, as I said, I, I do have some questions, which I don't remember if I asked you the first time around. But the first one is, in this episode, who exactly went into the Twilight Zone? There's not that many choices. <laughs> Uh, I guess everybody but him, right? Everybody but West. Yeah, because he learns nothing and, and yeah, is in the same spot at the end. He's like, we go in, the, all the other characters may literally come back and forth from whatever <laughs> zone. See, I, I was going to go with Rod Serling took a trip into the Twilight Zone just because he's, you know. He realizes he's not even real. <laughs> right. Of course, then he does have a follow-up narrative after that. So it's like, oh, there's the fake Rod yeah. Serling and the real one. So but if we want to, but so if we consider him a character in the episode, that that means that Mary and um, Victoria would also, but they're not real. So yeah, it's kind of that's a fun trippy question for this one because it's like I want to say these people are, but they're not real. So this guy created them. So he went to a Twilight Zone, but he's making the Twilight Zone. So hmm. that's that's one of my questions. Like, are they real? Then I think they are. I I, I think they exist independently in some way. They just have very little control over their existence. Very little free will. Yeah. Or so none. that. Yeah, exactly. It's like that makes it extremely disturbing. Like, even though yeah. this is, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a somewhat light episode for a very disturbing, <laughs> right, <laughs> uh, concept, really. So that means we have to include the elephant as well. The elephant went to the Twilight Zone. True, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the next question, I guess, we'll we can consider in terms of West as well, but definitely these these ephemeral creations. Uh. Do they deserve their trip through the Twilight Zone? Does, do, does anyone deserve to be creative? I guess is the question. Yeah. Here. <laughs> I mean, if you're asking, like, is this a, <laughs> is it good or bad to go through the Twilight Zone? I have to say everyone deserves everything because I 
I don't even think in the grand scheme of things they could have been existed, uh, created against their will. Like it wouldn't have even been able to come into his mind as an idea unless that idea agreed to be like born or however we want to think about these things. So in that case, like they technically deserved it karmatically or karmically, however you say that. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Is it a punishment or is it a reward? <laughs> Well, just, yeah, just yesterday we were walking down the street and, and I, I have talked to someone before just you echoed um, what I, I had a conversation a year ago where I was kind of like it was dark, it was rainy. I was trying not to step on these tiny little frogs. But the idea, well, if you if you accidentally do, then um, it was kind of like there's, you know, it's on a subconscious level that was agreed upon. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then then yesterday I'm walking with a, a friend uh, down the hill from the from the hot spring and he's a. Uh, He's moving frogs off the road and he takes one, kind of flings into a rice field. So it's water. It is probably fine. But he was like, I just saved your life. I'm like, no, I think you might have just killed him. <laughs> yeah, you don't know. <laughs> I yeah. do that all the time. I picked this snake up once because uh, he was on the ground in the path, you know, and it was super cold. And I was like, well, I'm going to like warm him up because he clearly can't move. It's like too cold for him. He's supposed to be in his den somewhere or whatever. And so I'm just going to warm him up and walk with him for a minute and then let him go up here. This really tall bluff we're climbing up. Uh, and then, you know, he'll be warmed up by then and he can like slither away somewhere safe. And I got all the way to the top and I was like, what if he never, what if his home was down there and he was fine. And now he like never can figure out where he even is or how to get home and his family's in that little den. And I just like screwed his whole world up thinking that I was doing him this favor. Um, that kind of stuff like haunts me at night. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much responsibility. Yeah, that, that was actually the first frog wearing going up the hill because he put it on his like water bottle. I was like, you know, by the time he gets off that water bottle, he's going to be in like a different dimension. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't recognize any of these rivets. Like the smells are weird. What the hell just happened? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So in terms of godlike powers, as I guess we have to a frog, uh, <laughs> then... <laughs> deserve that that's like when i this was the question i was most like is this a good question i'm still not sure it's a good question but i am like wow what does what does this word mean it's like this show's becoming an exploration of what the word deserve means as well yeah <laughs> and, and everyone that comes on kind of has a different take of like what that even means yeah because so. i'm like deserve like sometimes you use that as like you, you deserve this and other times you're like oh you deserve this like <laughs> Is it, is it a punishment or a reward? And it really is. It's like it would, every single person, it would be a different answer for Like, is it a, some people would be like, please send me away to where I still technically exist, but don't have to deal with anything at all. <laughs> Bring me back someday and then I'll have had a nice rest. And other people just like Mary would be like, please don't, please don't send me there. <laughs> like, I do not want to, uh, you know, have this non-existent experience or whatnot. Uh, and then I don't know what, uh, being in a twilight zone, if that is even the same thing or different too, to wherever they went and came back from. Well, this brings back the existential dread of um, an episode earlier this season, which was, and the sky was open where the three astronauts come back from space and, oh, wait, no, no, there's only two astronauts that came back. And, you know, at the end, it's like their, their, their ship is like, even like, it's just an empty tarp. Like just this entire mission was erased from existence. So... Oh. <laughs> I have, I have a weirdest experience of that actually. So I got my master's degree and to get your master's degree, you have to generally write your thesis. And so mine was, I don't know, like 50, 70 pages, something like it's this massive work we do. Right. And like, uh, all this research and all this stuff. And like, I'm, 
I'm a perfectionist. So it's even like more painstaking for me, maybe than some others. I have like 62 versions of it as it's being created. You know, I save each version just in case I like, cause I'm crazy. Right. I have backup drives. I have flash drives. I've printed it out the place, you know, the school I went to Western, we have to turn it in physically. You have to put it in electronically. They have copies of it too. Then I also had this class at the same time where we're making like an online portfolio, which at the time was like so cool, but is now like very lame, but <laughs> very cool at the time. And so there's a version of it there. Some time goes by probably like three years. And I went and I was going to do this project and I wanted to have my thesis and I wanted to show it to people. And I don't remember why I just did. And so I looked for it and I couldn't find it. And I looked in the place where I have all my printed out like final papers and projects and things. It's not there. I'm like, okay, well, I have all these flash drives and all these hard drives and things. So I'm like pulling them all out and going through them. It's not on any of them. I've emailed it to myself how many times back in the day. That's like one of the ways you would do it, right? None of those are anywhere. None of them, not any of, not even any of them. So I call the school. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, I went onto my online portfolio. That's the only thing that's not there. <laughs> I call the school. I'm like, do you guys still have, they're supposed to keep it for like five years or 10 years or something, you know, like you guys would have a copy of this, right? And they're like, oh yeah, here's, you know, the instructor that whatever. And oh, never mind. That instructor died. They're like, well, we'll get there. We'll get into their files and we'll find it for you. We'll let you know, or whatever. They contact me like a week later and they're like, it's not there. And I'm like, what? So I somehow am in a dementia. I still have the degree. So I clearly like did the paper, you know, I did my thesis and submitted it and graduated, but I don't have the paper. It does not exist in this dimension somehow. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, at least you still have the degree. <laughs> yeah, at least that. I like freaked out. I was like, do I not even have my degree? I like checked with the kids right here. I have it. But what, how? I don't even, I have no way to even explain that. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, at some point they, I mean, this isn't as trippy, but, you know, they just nuked my, my university email at some point. It's been, but man, it would be so cool to go back and, you know, see that. <laughs> yeah, see all the different things you did and saved and, yeah. I mean, I have some of that, but it would have been, it would be very cool to see see that. And I guess at a certain point, it's just punted it down the road. That's, I guess that's why we archive things, yeah. I had <laughs> or, so or many did, didn't work, as well as I say, didn't yeah. work in your case, so maybe. Like, every <laughs> single one had to disappear at the same time somehow. It doesn't even make sense. So, you just, yeah, I guess you tell people your, your thesis was Mandela effect. It was, Mandela I jumped dimensions and somehow kept the degree, but got rid of that. Like, it doesn't, yeah. There's, Better in the other no way sensible. around. That's true. Yes. Paper, you lose the degree. That'd be worse. We have no record of you even going to this school. I'm like, oh, okay. Now I know I'm insane. <laughs> so I want to place this on the tripometer. Zero is not trippy. Five is extremely trippy. Uh, numbers, strange grunts are um, acceptable. <laughs> one, one of my co-hosts just gives it things like a, oh, or, ah. oh. <laughs> or maybe that should uh, be a score. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would, I want to say five because I do actually think it asks all the best questions of like what existence is, what consciousness is, what, you know, perspective is, whether other people exist or not, you know, <laughs> what creation is, who has the power to create all these things. I feel like are at the sort of core of asking like what life even is and what this dimension is all about and our experience of it. But I also, I feel like we're so jaded because we have <laughs> things like the matrix and we've had all of this like trippiness. It's just like mashed into our experience for so long so if, if you could somehow take all that out and just watch this fresh it's actually a pretty trippy show but if you have to like compare it to like the rest of modern 
<laughs> culture. It's not that trippy at all. <laughs> Does it, is that a, is that a five? Yeah, I guess less? so. I, okay. I guess I have to say a five just because of that. That's cool. Uh, I I almost want to agree with you, but I subtracted. Now I'm getting to decimals. People hate this. I subtracted <laughs> half a point because of the small scale, then plus two five because of the elephant. So I'll, the elephant I'll, saves it. I'll go slightly <laughs> under the four point seven five. Like, what if the elephant was actually screaming because he was like, where was I just dad? I don't even understand. And then he's suddenly in this dimension. Yeah. 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 Just, well, he's angry. No, no, he's, he's been explaining he's angry. Maybe that's he's, why he's angry. He's but true. yeah. It, yeah. He only says he's what red eyed and angry. We don't really yeah. know the cause of the anger. So maybe that's the cause of the anger. Maybe he was with his family in a jungle, like however many thousands of years ago. And then all of a sudden he was just in this hall. He's like that snake. He's like, thanks a lot. Now I could never get home. <laughs> right. So he thought he was saving the elephant by getting him out of the uh, the wilds of the wilderness. No, he didn't think that at all. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His intentions were clear at that point. <laughs> right. <laughs> he didn't care about that elephant at all. Um, I guess we'll wrap up today then. Lindsay, can you, I think you, you have two podcasts now. I know about Rogueways. I think I heard you mention another one. <laughs> yeah, I have another show called Middle Path. Uh, it's still on the same feed. So if you're listening to the audio, the uh, roadways and middle path will both both be there but uh middle path is actually for subscribers and supporters only so you have to subscribe on apple Podcasts uh to my rogue.locals.com where i post the audio and you can download it or um to rockfin where you can watch it live uh or you know get the audio too so there's all the ways you can do middle path which is uh for supporters only but roadways and middle path they're out there you can grab them on audio you can come watch video live sundays tuesdays and thursdays at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Um, and then, yeah, that audiobook is coming out any moment now. So that'll be available on Audible. I think that's all. Actually, I think you have to get it through Audible if you want it. So I'm not sure if I'm allowed to offer it even like through my own site as a download or if there's some sort of proprietary thing. But uh, but that should be fun, too. So I'm, I'm going to even listen to it probably because I'm a weirdo. It, it should be out by now because, uh, yeah, I think I think it's I think we're in the middle of August when people are hearing this, if I remember correctly. So, oh, well, then it'll definitely, yeah. They just, they make you jump through so many hoops. Like the last one, they were like, oh, we would have approved it, but the um, album art or whatever you put on it didn't have like one of the words in your title in it. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's because it like doesn't matter as a <laughs> title. Like, okay, fine, I'll redo the art. So who knows? But yes, it definitely should be up by then. Yeah, uh, even this podcast took like two months for me to get on Apple Podcasts, and the reason turned out was I had to specify it was weekly manually. And if oh you don't do that, God. they don't even post them. Like it comes, yeah, uh, whatever. It's clearly- I feel like they try to keep people from getting things done. I think that's what it is. They're like, let's just throw in as many roadblocks as we can. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Sorry, could you uh, throw out your book title one more time? I liked it, but I it didn't quite stick because it has interesting words. <laughs> it's a long, it's a long, interesting title. Yeah, it's called Sine Curve of Eons. Uh, Eons is with an A, actually. So Sine Curve of Eons uh, by Talos. And um, you can also just look for Sine Curve. You can look for Lindsay Sharman as the author, which is also hard to spell and confusing. Uh, but <laughs> you can search that on Amazon. Good luck finding it. I 
am heavily suppressed. I just don't like to give you search results. I can search for sine curve of aeons in quotation marks and it still won't even give it to me. And I'm like the person who wrote it. Well, hopefully so, your book uh, will continue to exist in this reality. Hopefully, yeah, <laughs> hopefully it does. And uh, you can also go to my site at rogueways.org and you can get the digital download of it. And my site will only let me do PDF, but if you need an EPUB to put on your e-reader, I can always email it to you after you purchase it. You can just... Um, write to me and let me know or put it in the notes and I'll just email it to you when I see the purchase. So uh, that's all available there too, as well as the physical copies. If you like physical books, those are there too. You can get it directly from me and I can sign it over to you and write you a little message as well. So whatever you like to do. Groove A. This one is Time Enough Podcast. Uh, the word Time Enough Pod on Twitter, Facebook. Um, we are under the podcasting umbrella of Podcastio Podcastius, where we also talk about sci-fi films and matt and luke's sci-fi sanctuary if you're a gamer there's plenty of that for luke loves pokemon i think monster hunter is cranked up again and there's the game game show which is a game about game shows no it's, it's a game show about games there we go it's, i love that yeah so it's a bunch of british dudes like insulting each other for an hour basically yeah. <laughs> that's what most podcasts become like we swear we're talking about this thing but actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was like yeah it, it, the the new episode ends rather abruptly man i'm like oh really yeah it became too much of an ass <laughs> <laughs> the game well to be honest i, I listened to his episode and the game was like already like beyond confusing so i get it but yeah <laughs> i once played this game you guys might be familiar it's something about cthulhu or so i don't actually remember the name of the game but it's one of those you have to set up for like an hour uh before you even start playing uh and then there's you know whatever we do something i don't even remember i pull a card and i pulled the one card that ends the game instantly because it is cthulhu uh <laughs> and so like as soon as we set it up i pulled that card and the game was over um and i didn't even win we all died that's what that card does nobody wins so i was like well clearly we're gonna just play again they're like no that's the game the game's over and they were serious and we stopped playing i was like this. okay i guess yep. that's life Oh, uh, because you would have gotten such a fantastic story if you just kept pulling the Cthulhu cards. Just over and over. <laughs> like, no, really, don't let her play anything or write any books or write any theses. Like, just go home. <laughs> this game sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, sorry, Lindsay, but I got your envelope here and it's time to toss it into the, the fire. Oh, see you, see you next dimension. 